Welcome back to Animation Fascination. I'm Mark Vibbert, and with me again is Stanford Clark. Hey there, how's it going? If you guys haven't listened to this podcast before, we focus on the entire world of animation each episode. We talk about the latest news from around the animation industry and a main topic discussing a TV series, a film, or something else that's within that medium. Whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion, if it's animated, it is up for discussion to geek out about with us. So this episode, we are going to be talking a lot about the recent San Diego Comic-Con animation-related news, as well as uh, Stanford went and saw Marcel Lachelle with shoes on, so we'll talk a bit about that. And then uh, we're both going to dig into talking about the new Netflix animated film, The Sea Beast. So, to dig in from the news, take it at least. Yeah, so, first up, Mark, uh, so Skydance uh, Studio uh, and Mattel have uh, announced that they are creating a live-action film about Matchbox cars. You know the small, uh, the yeah. small Matchbox cars. It's uh, you know the diecast toy vehicles. Um, it's in development. Uh, this you know Mattel is going all out with with uh, film adaptations of their IP. So uh, they've got American Girl, Barney, Hot Wheels, dude, a Magic Eight Ball. <laughs> I don't know what that's that, going to be. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Of course. That Barney one is still intriguing to me with Daniel Kaluuya. Yeah. Kaluuya. I'm probably mispronouncing his last name. Because they're, like, they're like bringing like A-list talent. Of course, they released stuff about their the Barbie movie that Warner Brothers is making uh, yeah. with um, Margot Robbie is Barbie and... Um, Anyway, it goes it goes on and on. So, uh, I'll just go ahead and and read part of this statement. For nearly seventy years, Matchbox has carried enormous cultural relevance and inspired generations of kids to unleash their imaginations, combining what they see in their world every day with what they dream their own world to be. We look forward to working. We meaning Mattel um, look forward to working with our incredible partners at Skydance Media to craft a story for the big screen that evokes the same imaginative spirit of this beloved Mattel franchise. And delights fans of all ages. Now, honestly, the first thing that came to my mind, and probably what I had sent to you too, as we were talking about this or chatting about this, was I immediately thought of John Lasseter, who, of course, is an employee at Skydance. He's running, he's running, uh, uh, you know, Skydance Animation, and this is going to be, you know, quote unquote yeah. live action. I mean, I mean, I think it's just going to be all CGI, right? But um, uh, yeah. which itself is animation, right? I was going to say it's going to be in a photo photorealistic style, maybe. But, uh, you know, can't, Laster can't get away from uh, the cars. But that was kind of snarky of me. Who knows uh, <laughs> if, if Skydance Animation is going to have anything to do with it. Or maybe, you know, John Laster, be, be, given his senior level position, he'll be involved in the project. Who knows? Which but it the, seems the diecast, The diecast cars from Cars, was that Matchbox? No. Well, so those, those were licensed mostly to Mattel, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. So all those smaller ones, like those 164th cars, were, um, uh, I believe, Mattel, and they they just made a bazillion dollars with them, you know. 
and I don't know if if it'll ever. So it's so it's still Lester working with Mattel with cars. <laughs> exactly, and I don't know. I can't remember at what point Mattel bought Matchbox. You know, maybe they've owned them all along, but it seems like you know that, that I mean Matchbox and Hot Wheels are seems like they've always been in comp- kind of a competition in a way with each other. Yeah. Um, different brands. And I want to say there's a Hot Wheels movie. There is, yeah. I think there's a Hot Wheels yeah. movie in development. Of course, there's other things like Rock'em Sock'em Robots, Polly Pocket, Thomas and Friends. Didn't they already make Rock'em Sock'em Robots? It was called Real Steel with Hugh Jackman. <laughs> that should have been just, yeah, the Rock'em Sock'em Robots movie. <laughs> I remember that's that's mostly what people called it when yes. it came out, was the Rock'em Sock'em. You're right. And the real... Real Steel is actually an underrated movie. It's actually a pretty decent Real Steel movie. Real Steel was, yeah, was, was, was a pretty good movie. Yeah, I, yeah. Hugh, ja- uh, Hugh Jackman and uh, Evangeline Lilly. Right. But, yeah. And uh, I, I think that was made at Disney, too, wasn't it? I'm trying to remember who... Uh... Well, yeah, now retroactively because it was Fox. Oh, okay. It was a Fox. Anyway. Uh, so we'll see how that all... How, how that all pans out, but again, it just kind of when I when I think of you know cars, of course, I think of John Lasseter, and and uh, we'll just see how uh, this Matchbox. <laughs> what we learn more about this Matchbox movie <laughs> moving forward. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, so, and then the the next bit of news is that Powerpuff Girls and Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends are getting reboots in the works by the original creator, Craig McCracken. Uh, and the kind of interesting thing, too, I don't know how much uh, you had followed it, but at one point, and I don't know if it's still happening, but the CW was developing a live-action continuation of the Powerpuff Girls. Powerpuff Girls. Girls. Yeah, yeah. Mark, I think that's and still I would, going. But I, I, you know, I, yeah, and I was really curious about that, because Donald Faison was uh, playing uh, the professor, and then uh, Chloe Bennett who was uh, Quake in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, a.k.a. Daisy, I thought, which I also thought was funny because she was going to be playing Blossom in that, so she yeah. went from being a Daisy to a Blossom. Uh, but, so it seems like, at least with these, so these were animated, uh, but the Powerpuff Girls uh, reboot revisits and expands upon the world of the original show as Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup face off against a variety of villains comprised of familiar foes and new threats and then Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends will return as an original preschool animated series, welcoming a new cast of Imaginary Friends. So, uh, with Foster's, that one, I, I never watched that one, but I, I'm aware of it. Uh, but that one seems like it's wholly new in its own thing, and going to be uh, kind of aimed at like a like a much younger audience than it yeah, was originally. Yeah, after going for, yeah, really going for a preschool. Yeah, almost like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Yeah. Which, I mean, that... That makes sense though, with like the idea of that show with like imaginary friends and whatnot. So yeah. that's a and it's good such idea. a likable show. I watched I watched plenty of episodes of that just because I'm such a Craig McCracken fan. Uh, yeah, and I thought it was a pretty charming show, and I agree. I think I think that it'll adapt well to it for a preschool audience. That should that should be a pretty cute show. Yeah. And this uh, this Variety article actually says the CW is actually still working on yeah. a live action reboot of the yeah. tune as well. I thought I saw. I that. know a lot of the people dropped out of it though because they were retooling and overhauling the pilot. 
So that should be interesting to see what happens with that. Because I know that, like we were saying, Chloe Bennett was going to be in it. So it was obviously going to be like, had taken place in real time so many years later after the events of the animated series. So it was supposed to be with actually set within that same like world of that, but just, you know, what, like 1998. So 20 plus years later. Yeah. Now, Mark, and you know, please excuse my ignorance on this, but also isn't there currently, I don't know if it's in development or if it's showing, you know, it's currently playing somewhere a Powerpuff Girls animated show that Craig McCracken is not involved with, right? Didn't they create a new, new one kind of in the same style as the one that Craig and Jandy did? But uh, I believe do you know? so. Let me double check that. But yeah, with these, um, I remember Powerpuff Girls when, like, when I was in high school. Well, I mean, this started before I was in high school, but like, the like. My girlfriend that I had in high school was like a super huge fan of the Powerpuff Girls. I remember like that the movie came out, the animated movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're correct. The there's a uh, newer TV series of the Powerpuff Girls that started in 20, 2016 and ran until actually just this past year. Oh, okay. So I just for, being that one ran for three seasons. Controversial. And ended in twenty nineteen. Okay. Yeah, I just remember being controversial because Craig McCracken was was not involved, if I'm not mistaken. But I was just so happy to see this story, Mark, in that, you know, Craig can go, you know, do his magic with the characters that he created instead of. Again, I don't know if I don't know if that current series or that one that you know just finished this run. If it was any good or not, I, I again I didn't watch it, but. Yeah, I didn't check it out either. Uh, yeah, it just looks like he just had a created by uh, credit on that newer series. Yeah. It does not look like it has uh, very favorably high reviews. Yeah, it's like, that's very favorable. It's just, on yeah. IMDb as well. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably check this out, especially if, he, if he's involved. I probably won't check out the Imaginary Friends just because I don't have any preschool. Yeah, I mean, preschool shows. anymore. Yeah, not not but, uh, not my thing either. But Powerpuff, I'll, I'll check that out. Yeah, well, that just has such a great combo of of humor and great great artistry, and it's just you know such a just kind of golden age stuff. You know, I just thought it was it was, it was really yeah yeah good stuff. Um, you know. Speaking of kind of golden age, um, the Disney afternoon, I know a lot of people hold that, uh, uh, you know, love those Disney afternoon shows. Um, specifically, Gargoyles and Darkwing Duck, uh, they are getting um, uh, comic book kind of a revival, I guess you'd call. Oh, yeah. some, of, some of their classic issues of previous versions of these comics are going to be reprinted and then they've got uh new new comics that are coming for both the darkwing duck uh comic book does not have a creative team that they've announced for it i mean they probably it's probably probably working on it they just haven't been announced but um greg weissman who's the original creator of the gargoyles animated series 
is on board for this comic book return and is ready is ready to write what is said to be a quote unquote new season of the series, but it's going to be in comic form. Nice. Uh, so, which quick quick side plug: if you want to hear more about the Disney Afternoon, you can go on the backlog of our episodes and listen to a full episode we did about Disney Afternoon. And we also had an episode where we where we interviewed Greg Wiseman on the podcast as well. So you can find both of those in the backlog of the podcast. Awesome. Now back to our regularly yeah. regularly scheduled Stanford program. <laughs> That's cool. You know, those will be yeah definitely worth um, listening to. You know, Disney Comics has had a rather trying history, as titles have changed publishers numerous times, with varying success over the decades, according to this uh, article from Screen Rant. Um, both Gargoyles and Darwin Dunk have previously had comic runs and were slated to have additional runs before being eventually canceled. So uh, I guess it'll just be interesting to see what what we uh, end up with, and um, you know, good luck to Dynamite, and have, you know, with with this with this uh, latest revival of these uh, properties that you know that, that I think fans really love. Yeah, uh, and the other thing that's kind of interesting too is that Gargoyles ran for three seasons. Uh, in its TV form, but although uh, Greg Wiseman actually rewrote the third season in comics following um, him oh, yeah. being removed from the series during like a whole like upheaval during there was a big Disney. yeah yeah so and that's that's definitely worth checking out too and then also if you, I mean he's done a lot of great s- stuff uh, he was on that like the first season of Rebels. And then he's been doing the Young Justice series that has had its own kind of like, will it get picked up for another season? And yeah, that's just been a like lot years of later. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've been recently getting back into reading comics, so I will definitely look into checking these out. And then I was always a big fan of Darkwing and Gargoyles when I was growing up too. And then, of course, we got a little bit of, uh, I don't. Where are the gargoyles in the Trippendale movie at all? I don't remember if there's. You know, a... I don't remember if the gargoyles showed know, up at all. I know Darkwing did, like, yeah. as like the, the like the tag at the end. Um, he's yeah. like, he's like, tell them that you want a Darkwing movie. <laughs> but yeah, I'll I'm excited for this stuff, and I'll definitely look into to checking his out, especially if uh, Greg Wiseman's involved. He's a really nice dude. But yeah. Uh, going from there, we got the next story is uh, we talked about Solar Opposites last time on the show with season three dropping. Uh, season four is already on on the way as well, and now Hulu actually uh, ordered a Halloween special. Uh, so later this year, uh, coming up in October, uh, we will get a what's called a sinister halloween scary opposites solar special and that's what the title of the the episode is called um and it's just arriving quote unquote this fall and then the they showed uh uh, san diego comic-con panel attendees like a brief clip from the special that featured like a tales from the crypt uh star john kassir having a goofy good time riffing on the creeper character uh, so that that should be interesting. 
Yeah. Here. I remember when I became aware of the Crypt Keeper stuff when I was younger, I was like, no, nah, I'm good. And <laughs> just because it, it did creep me out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I didn't, didn't want to watch it. Uh, but I, I'll check this out. I've been a fan of Solar Opposites. Um, and it's always cool when any of these shows do like a holiday special. Like we absolutely. have the Guardians Christmas special coming up later this year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. There's a Marvel Studios Halloween special they're doing later this year with the Werewolf by Night. And then, I mean, I was a fan of when they did the uh, Toy Story of Terror oh, and Toy Story that Time so Forgot, fun. too. Yeah. So... I I will definitely uh, look forward to this. And one of the jokes they made was, "Can we just do a Christmas special?" And they were like, "Okay." And we're like, "Evil F." I love the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. I love that first episode of The Simpsons was a Christmas special. Uh, so the they basically segued themselves from doing a Christmas special into a Halloween special. So that's kind of funny. But yeah. Yeah. Um, good stuff. You know. Um... It'll be interesting to see how, how that goes. I, 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 I promise you, I mean, I'll, I will start watching some Solar Opposites because uh, it's just a show I haven't watched it. But after our last discussion, I know I put it on my list. Like I got to check it out. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, Dan Harmon, who, uh, as you all know, uh, was the creator of the community TV show, and then also the co-creator of the anime series Rick and Morty. Uh, who, his uh, just Justin Rowland, uh, who does Solar Opposites. Oh yeah, that's right. Is yeah. <laughs> is the other co-creator, right? Um, yeah. uh, gave the audience, like the crowd at, at San Diego Comic Con uh, this past weekend, uh, a first look at at his new show, which is called Crapopolis. It's <laughs> it's a great name. Uh, it's a, uh, an animated take on uh, uh, like Greek mythology. So it's set in ancient Greece. Um, it uh, it focuses on a flawed family of humans, gods, and monsters that try to run one of the world's first cities without killing each other. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it's got it's got a pretty cool vocal cast. Um, Hannah Waddington or uh, Waddingham is in it, who um, I adore. She's from Ted Lasso. Um, Richard Iote, okay. Matt Berry, Pam Murphy, and Duncan Trussell are all providing voices. Harmon's the executive producer. Um, no, so Harmon's involved, and then of course, then I mean, ex, ex, excuse me, executive producer and showrunner Jordan Young, um, and supervising director Pete Michaels uh, are, are doing this. So. They they had a um, and they're doing this through Fox Entertainment. So this is Fox's and Fox's the TV network, not anything to do with the former 20th Century Fox, which is now owned by Disney. So uh, anyway, uh, I, I didn't see Mark any reviews or you know, people commenting. There's probably you know I need to search Twitter a little harder. Hopefully people had fun. Uh, they probably got buried with. Like like with everything else that came out between like Friday, oh, Saturday, and I mean the announcements today. were never ending from Comic Con. I mean they always are, and and I was just it was just so fun to have it back. You know that's what I was mostly happy about. But I got to get busy studying, so yeah. you can see all the stuff that came out. I'm excited for this too. Like uh, with 
because of the voice cast. I mean, you got like kind of like an IT crowd reunion. Yeah, exactly. Richard Ayad yeah. and Matt Berry. And then, uh, as everyone knows, well, as most people should know that would be listening to this, and Stanford knows I'm a huge Ted Lasso fan. Uh, so I'm definitely excited to have uh, Hannah Waddingham uh, be doing a voice in this too. Oh, yeah. Uh, now, I don't. Did you watch Game of Thrones? I'm not a Game of Thrones guy. I feel like I'm the only person in America right. who didn't watch no, Game right. of Thrones. But but you've probably you've probably seen a GIF of or like a, a meme of the the woman ringing the bell that says shame. Yes, that that is Hannah Waddingham. Oh. <laughs> did she have a big role, or was that just kind of her only role on Game of Thrones? No, that was that, that was basically what she did in Game of Thrones. <laughs> but it, it's the, when I found that out, that blew my mind. I was like, oh dang, Rebecca from Ted Lasso was the the shame was the, it's the shame the shame bell ringer yeah. from Game of Thrones. I was like, yeah, that is kind of that does kind of blow my mind too. I. I, I, but, I love but now but now you know every time you see that gift you'll be like hey it's Rebecca <laughs> it's Rebecca she's great yeah uh, so like the the next thing that we're gonna be talking about we did, we talked about this a little bit last week too was the Gremlin Secrets of the Mogwai TV series and how I had gotten a review out of Annecy uh, so again uh, more news from it at San Diego Comic Con panel this past weekend uh, one of the the biggest things about that is that the original Billy Zach Galligan, Galligan, Gilligan, Galligan, yeah, uh, is returning to play or voice Billy in the animated series, which I thought was really cool. But then I was like, wait, isn't this supposed to be a prequel? So what I'm wondering is if if he's like narrating it as Billy. So you know, like how like in the films, like his dad narrates basically kind of the opening and yes. like closing of the the film i'm wondering if it's going to be like that's like his role in this where like he's telling this story uh like basically the backstory of gizmo and the, the mogwai and this and that's how it will be framed narrative wise because that's what it kind of seems like as far otherwise i'm not sure like how he would work into that narrative with it being set before all of the movies yeah, but uh, the the next thing that's kind of cool is that they also uh, announced some of the other uh, guest stars for the series, including Sandra O, oh, big fan, uh, Randall Park, also a big fan of Randall Park. We got George Takai uh, and Bowen Yang, and then the series has already announced a roster of other uh, actors joining yeah. the show as well, with uh, James Hong. Uh, B.D. Wong, Ming-Na Wen, and Matthew Reese. So this show so, is, uh, like, they, like that said, stacked with... Yeah, stellar uh, local talent. Yeah. And so, yeah, definitely what I was saying, It's it's got to be, like, where he's telling, like, a narrative. Because it says the, the TV show is set in the 1920s, and Billy is meant to be, like, a teenager in the 1980s. So unless there's some kind of weird time travel shenanigans now with gremlins and and mogwai in this uh i think that's definitely going to be how he's in it is the whole like narrator telling the story yeah in this uh, but it, in here it says it focuses on sam wing an ordinary 10 year old boy who meets gizmo uh a 
a mogwai as we know, a strange furry creature that's sweet and cute but can easily turn violent and destructive along with L. A teenage Sam sets off on a journey throughout the Chinese countryside to reunite Gizmo with his family, countering creatures from folklore and being pursued by a growing army of evil gremlins. The aforementioned Wen, Wong, and Hong all star as Sam's family, while Reese voices one of the main antagonists. The show is a prequel, like I said, to the original uh, uh, comedy horror film with Sam notably sharing a last name with the shopkeeper who owns Gizmo in the original film. So although the show has been announced and in development since 2019, uh, it it's still, I don't know when it's supposed to be out yet, because I still don't see a yeah, thing in here for as far they, as a release date. I don't date. think they put a release date on it. Then they just kind of, is it kind of fall yeah. 2022 or, or even not even that? We don't even know that much. And then I know uh, Joe Dante recently uh, had, oh. had criticized uh, Grogu. Lucasfilm, uh, he's ripping on it. <laughs> referred to as Baby Yoda. Uh, from Mandalorian, uh, basically saying, he said, I think the longevity of the film is really key to this one character, Gizmo, who is essentially like a baby. Dante told the publication, which brings me, of course, to the subject of Baby Yoda, who is completely stolen and is just out and out copied shamelessly, I would think. Now, I don't know if, I'm, if I agree with him, but hey, no one asked me. <laughs> I don't know, because to be, to be fair there, Yoda existed before the Gremlins films came out. And Yoda looked the way that he looked in Empire and Return of the Jedi, which Return of the Jedi came out one year uh, before Gremlins. So he, Yoda <laughs> still existed be, before yeah. Gremlins. So, I mean, that may, they're, they're both small creatures with big ears. So, I mean, they look similar in that sense that they're, like, baby creatures with big ears. Well, yeah. But like, if if Grogu was, like, like furry... I was going to say... I, I would almost say that that Grogu would look more like a, like a nice gremlin than a mogwai. Yeah. Because, you know, like how the gremlins are all, like, basically reptilian-looking mm-hmm. and... Yoda, like the species, like because the, they still have given a name to the Yoda species, um, they're all kind of more like that green, green reptilian yeah, kind of skin. That's what. That's why Yoda's good on on Dagobah because it's a planet f- like filled seemingly with like frogs and yeah. snakes and or I guess frog like creatures and snake like creatures because they're probably not the same thing since they're in a galaxy far far away and is gizmo eating space frogs i you know i don't think so yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh we shall see yeah um, yeah um so again more stuff mark from from uh, san diego comic-con uh teen titans go they they've got they i mean it's kind of hard for me to believe you know that they're on they're in their 300s as far as the number of the episodes <laughs> the, sure. for, so for their 365th episode uh, they wanted Crazy. to do something special and also in the, in the series 
the Titans, the Teen Titans want to do something extra special. So they head to the Warner Brothers studio lot to find a director for it. And uh, the one and only Zack Snyder is going to be making an appearance uh, on on this 365th episode of Teen Titans Go. Um, which is kind of fun, kind of meta. Uh, it's a, yeah. uh, um, you know, I don't know much more about it other than that. I don't know if it's just cameo or if he's going to play a big role. Uh, you know, within within the episode, but the episode we don't have to wait too long. It tells that the episode, this is from the Hollywood Reporter, is going to be uh, premiering this fall on Cartoon Network. So uh, that, that's that just seems kind of a funny, funny idea. What's your take on Zack Snyder I think it's showing pretty cool. up? It's, uh, it's I, I like the image that they released from it too. It's like an animated version of him standing in front of like a version of a 300 300 and a, ver- and a Batman v Superman of Batman yeah versus Superman uh and this is kind of like the the next thing in uh like a DC animated show bringing in a version of like a director that's done a DC movie uh like between James Gunn uh guest starring as himself in the Harley Quinn right. series coming up and then now Zack Snyder did you said it was him, like he's, it's like him voicing himself, right? That's the way it's described. So Okay, yeah, so and then, yeah, then him showing up. So that's cool that he's got like a sense of humor about himself then too. Yeah. That he's going to be doing that in it. So that'll be interesting. And they kind of did stuff like this in, in that movie that I talked about, the Teen Titans go to the movies. Yes. Because they, like when they're trying to get a movie made about the Teen Titans in that, like they do all this stuff on the Warner Brothers lot in yeah. that film too. There's some dark jokes in that too. Like I just remember like because they have to set some stuff right at one point, so they they lead. Uh, yeah, spoilers really quick to, I guess the origin of Batman. Uh, like they lead Batman and his, or, not Batman, but Bruce Wayne and his parents down Crime Alley. Uh, <laughs> That's dark. Well, yeah, because Batman has to exist again at, at a certain point, so that's what has to happen. And I, I was like, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> but I thought that that was interesting, like how dark, <laughs> like, some of the jokes were in that movie. Yeah. But, uh, I, I will check this out, and I like I said, I think it's cool that he's got a sense of humor about himself. I do, too. And I'm, yeah, can put kind and of I'm sure they'll make himself. plenty of release the Snyder Cut jokes yeah, yeah, uh, within here as well. Like, they've already made jokes about that in, like we like I said, the Harley Quinn show, too. Yeah. So, this is pretty cool, and we will look forward to it as it comes out. All right, and so going from DC Comics to Marvel, uh, the next bit of news was there's a whole panel at San Diego Comic-Con, I want to say on se- this most recent Saturday, uh, we're recording this episode on Sunday, July 24th, 2022, to give you a kind of a point of reference for where we are. Uh, but that, so this was the first time that Marvel Studios has had an animation panel. So, and one of the things I had read there too was that uh, Brad Winderbaum basically is like the, the head of Marvel, he's the Marvel Studios head of uh, streaming television and animation. And so, like, when they started developing the TV series What If, that basically initiated them creating this animation branch of Marvel Studios at that point. 
So now the Marvel Studios animation division has will have What If, uh, Marvel Zombies, the X-Men 97, and then Spider-Man Freshman Year, as well as a, um, the I Am Groot shorts too. So the, the first bit up was, now I have uh, this in our trailers too, but I'll just, we'll just kind of throw it into to this part too, because it was part of that panel. Uh, they showed a, a new poster and then a new trailer for the I Am Groot shorts, which, uh, now I had also remembered James Gunn saying that these shorts are not, like, they're not, like, canon, they're not, like, within, like, the MCU, they're just meant to be, like, fun. Just fun, yeah, just kind of stand alone. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, the the trailer was really cool. It it looked beautiful too, watching it. That and because and it's like the the baby group that we saw like in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. I I do like how in the the trailer they even from the studio that brought you Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame comes a hero. <laughs> yeah, the of f- few words. <laughs> and uh, Vin Diesel came back to voice group in this uh, uh, and then uh, Bradley Cooper actually voiced our rocket in this as well too so I thought that was cool that he came back for this and now did you get a chance to watch the I did the yeah trailer? I thought it was it, it was funny I liked I liked the humor in it and I, I thought that this was probably going to be a really fun addition to Disney Plus um, yeah there's five new shorts uh, and now it starts on August 10th, uh, and then with it, it's basically just like these like misadventures that he goes on uh, during that. And they also said that there's going to be a season two of I Am Groot coming soon too. So I mean, which if they're shorts, I, f- I feel like that's pretty uh, standard for yeah. them. They probably just developed a whole bunch of them at the same time and then like broke it up similar to like that's what initially happened with What If was that yeah they made enough episodes for there to be two seasons and then they just split it up. Like notor- uh, infamously the the whole episode with Gamora and uh, Tony Stark on Sakaar was meant to be in season one and it even like is referenced in season one, even though the episode wasn't in that season, uh, like within the finale, because Gamora joins them in that last episode. Yeah. <laughs> but we we're like, oh wait, we never saw that. And there, there was like a whole Lego set that they released for and everything too. Um, but I believe that's going to be in the season two coming up now for that. But I, I'm looking forward to this this group these group shorts. Uh, Baby Groot's fun and it should be cool to check that out but again if anybody knows me they will again know how excited i am for this next oh my gosh you were the first person i thought about mark when i read this news (laughs) absolutely what what you cannot see is that i uh just displayed my spider-man tattoo to stand for over a zoom video uh yeah spider Spider spider-man freshman gear is going to be coming in 2024 and now with this the animated series follows peter parker on his way to becoming spider-man in the mcu starting with his freshman year of high school 
Uh, Peter's journey in the series will be unlike uh, we've seen, we've ever seen, and style that celebrates the character's early comic book roots. Uh, and then the showrunner Tremel teased the show with the cast characters in uh, Ryan Mandering. Man I'm probably mispronouncing his last name. Uh, showed off the new Spider-Man suit designed for the series. Additionally, Tompkins uh, set to voice. Uh, Paul of Tompkins is set to voice a role in the show. Uh, but with that, they also uh, said that there's going to be a Spider-Man sophomore year too. Uh, and one of the things with this that I'm still trying to figure out from like what they announced at this. Now, I know sometimes people just want you to like shut off your brain and enjoy some of this stuff, but like this, like this said specifically, it's Spider-Man on his way to becoming a part of the MCU, and they said at the panel it was set before Civil War, but. Also, a lot of the stuff that they show in here is that, uh, so Daredevil is in this. Charlie Cox is coming back to voice Daredevil in this series. Doctor Strange is in this, which is interesting too, because at least within the films, Doctor Strange didn't meet, uh, Peter slash Spider-Man until Infinity War. Uh, also, Hudson Thames, who voices Spidey in the, the What If, uh, could possibly be returning for Peter Parker. Or they didn't say who was voicing Peter in this. Uh, and then Harry Osborn will also be in this in freshman year, although it sounds like they won't be best friends in here. And then Norman Osborn will also be in this, too. And... Which is also another interesting thing because, like, the whole... I don't know if people... No Way Home made enough money that people um, probably will know that, like, in this... So, it says that or Osborn takes something of a mentor role serving as a plot device similar to Tony Stark and Spider-Man Homecoming. Osborn will cross paths with both Peter and Spider-Man, but it remains to be seen whether he'll evolve into the Green Goblin. Uh... Otto Octavius is in this too, which again. See, this is why I think it's got to be a multiverse. That's what I'm wondering. And not this, set know. within the six one six MCU. Yeah. Because between like Doctor Strange, Daredevil, uh, Norman, and Harry Osborn, yeah. there's no mention of Ned or MJ in this at all as well. Uh, in this, uh, also Amadeus Cho will be in this. Uh, who many comic book fans will know eventually becomes a version of the the Hulk, in that uh, Nico uh, Minoru uh, from Runaways, uh, Doctor Octopus, like I said, Bentley Whitman the Wizard, uh, Mac Gargan Scorpion again, uh, Scorpion was in Homecoming as well, but hadn't like become Scorpion yet, so yeah. this seems. Uh, and then Chameleon will be in here too. And then they showed off a whole bunch of his costumes from this, which, uh, like, again, like, within, like, the, the movies, like, we know that he only had that, uh, like, homemade suit that we see within Homecoming 2. So I definitely think this has to be, like, a multi mm -hmm. like a Peter, like, from somewhere within the multiverse and not 
the the Tom Holland right version we've seen in the movies. Although the character is kind of modeled to look like Tom Holland-ish in there though too. Uh, and then so for Marvel, uh, they also announced a like I said a season two of What If. Uh, that's going to be coming in 2023. Uh, they didn't say, I, I believe it was early 2023. Yeah, also, I've set, heard it's just 2023. And. Yeah. And a season three. Yeah, is season three. So they're going all out with what if, like, as you know, it's popular. Yeah, and some of the cool stuff that they announced from this, too, uh, is that. Steve Rogers is based as a version of the Winter Soldier. It seems like a uh, episode based on uh, Neil Gaiman's alternative universe uh, called 1602, which is basically all of the Avengers, like within Elizabethan uh, times, England. Uh, so just think like, just think like, uh, like Shakespeare in the Park. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but there, yeah. uh, there's also uh, we see Shang-Chi characters and Odin uh, so basically like Odin and like Wenwu and the Ten Rings are facing off against one another in season 2 of this uh, like I said Iron Man stuck on planet Sakaar uh, in this episode um, and then uh, they said that they shared the production on the third season and with that, they also did the spinoff series Marvel Zombies. Uh, that is also coming, uh, season one for that will be coming soon as well. And I saw like some of the stuff from that I, I saw that I thought was really cool was uh, some of the people that they announced that were going to be within Marvel Zombies. Uh, Let's see. So uh, they also said that Marvel Zombies was going to be uh, TVMA. So it'll be, you know, what you'd assume like a zombie-based series was going to be. Uh, and then a lot of the stuff that they have on here, too, was uh, some of the new heroes that they announced in that. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be... Let me. I need to find this again. Let's see. So, let's see here. Sorry about that. Oh, okay, so here, the feature zombie versions of Hawkeye, Captain America, well, Captain America's torso, <laughs> Captain Marvel, <laughs> uh, Wanda Maximoff, and Okaye. Uh, they'll be facing off against uh, Yelena Baleva, uh, Kate Bishop, Red Guardian, Jimmy Woo, uh, Death Dealer, Shang-Chi, and Kamala Khan. And they there was art... I don't know if it got official release, but people are posting pictures of it on Twitter, uh, on here. And there's oh, there's also a quote unquote zombie version of Icarus from Endgame. I mean not Endgame, uh, Eternals. From Eternals. Uh, which he can't quote really be a zombie uh, in the same sense as uh, others can. I'll just leave it to that. People haven't seen Eternals, uh, but. This seems seems really cool, and I'm definitely uh, looking forward to this series as as well. And I'm hoping some of the same characters we saw in, in like that episode of 
uh, season one of What If will show up too because I, I like like the Zombie Hunter Spider Man with uh, Doctor Strange's cloak yeah. in that. Uh, so I'm definitely hoping for more of that, and I'm I'm definitely excited to see definitely more Jimmy Woo. I'm hoping that Randall Park will just be voicing Jimmy Woo in here too. I'm also right. assume Amon Vellani is such a huge fan of Marvel in general and playing Miss Marvel. I can't imagine they have somebody else do the voice of Kamala in that series. Oh, and then Katie, uh, Shang-Chi's friend, is also going to be on that team as well, and that I saw there as well, too. Uh, yeah, definitely look up the, the art for this, because it, it's cool to see like how some of these characters look in that, too. And then the... I want to say, yeah, one of the, the last bits of news from that, that panel was the X-Men 97... Uh, info that they're talking about for the Disney Plus series there. Now, that they also revealed that Magneto's going to have a major role in the series, that he's going to essentially be the head of the X-Men now in that, and that this essentially takes place... Uh, basically, like if you watched the original series, it takes place post that. And they also did a thing where they actually went back on Disney Plus and updated the episode so that they're actually in chronological timeline order now so that, you know, Gene doesn't just kind of, like, randomly disappear yeah. in there. <laughs> um, but he's got, like, like Magneto in this has, his, like, his long hair with, like, the huge M on his chest uh, look going on. And then some of the other stuff, you know, that they revealed... Uh, let me. Sorry, I'm trying to find some of the stuff because, uh, like some of the characters that were gonna be in here. Did you were you like following along with this the other day as well? You know, I wasn't following along. I I only read the recap. Uh, there's there's a lot. And there's so much. Yeah. Here, let me find one other bit on this. But yeah, it was... I, I'm excited for all this stuff. Oh, yeah. They're going all out. You know, I, it, with with with, uh, with this animation stuff, I'm, I, I'm all for it. Oh, yeah, okay. So, uh, Doctor... Uh, or, not Doctor, Mr. Sinister, uh, as well as uh, Emma Frost in here, Nightcrawler... Uh, Bishop, Morph, Sunspot, uh, and it looks like some, a lot of the original lineup from the like the '90s series as well. So I'm very much looking forward to this. Yeah, and that they also announced would also be getting uh, a season two as well already. So yes, please. Definitely have a lot of confidence in yeah, all these shows already, and then said 2020 fall 2023 for this too uh and then yeah that was all the marvel animated uh, <laughs> panel i, news, I just i mean it was non-stop like just thing after thing after thing uh, yeah so and, so uh, great i think they also said there's gonna be a season two of marvel zombies already too you know, Basically, all of the shows they announced, they also said there's going to be another season. There's going to be a season, too. Yeah, I think... I thought I read that as well, Mark, on the zombies, but... 
Yeah, not 100%. But I, I'm excited for all of it, and I'm sure we will get more uh, uh, clarification on things as stuff gets closer to when it comes out. But uh, this wasn't really animation news per se, but they, Marvel did also have like their own like huge panel the other day, or yesterday as well. And this saga uh, for phases 4, 5, and 6 is now officially known as the Multiverse Saga. So that definitely, for me, leads credence to, because What If is canon, um, so that, that means all of these animated series are canon to the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well, too. So, and with the announcement of, like, the what's supposed to be the last film within the saga, Avengers Secret Wars, I can only imagine some of the stuff that will be happening in these animated series will may eventually show up in the live action yeah. Avengers of Secret Wars among many other things Yeah, uh, in 2025 uh, whole three years from now so we will we will see that when it comes out uh, but segueing from Marvel right back into Marvel yeah back uh, into Marvel and for our, our recommendations for this week uh leaving the news section uh i placed the she hulk attorney at law trailer in my recommendations this week uh instead of the trailers uh just because there i mean there is a lot of animation in this just because it's a very cg heavy series and i was always uh like a big fan of orphan black which had uh tatiana maslani in it and she will be playing Jennifer Walters in the new uh, She-Hulk series on Disney Plus. That's going to be starting uh, later it's next month in next August. Next month, right? Yeah, yeah. And I remember a lot of people complaining about the the CG for this, like when they put out the first trailer. I don't, I don't even remember how long ago it was. Like maybe a month or so ago now, or maybe even longer. But like I think it looks great in this trailer. That just came out too so for anybody complaining watch this trailer and you'll get a better sense of how like it'll actually look within the show yeah and the other thing i like in here too is that this is like straight up going to be like a, a comedy uh 30 minute comedy tv series and one of the things that that jennifer walters does in the comics uh much like uh deadpool does is that she breaks the fourth wall uh, and she actually gets to be the, the first character in the MCU proper to break the fourth wall <laughs> in this trailer. She, she, she go, she does that. And I thought that was really funny. Yeah, um, funny. there's some great stuff in this trailer too. Like with like, uh, her and Emil Blonsky, uh, and Jamila Jamil, who, uh, Jamila Jamil was awesome on the good place. Uh, so I am, I'm looking for, Oh, and again, Daredevil shows up in the trailer. Yeah, too. Daredevil and rocking the oldest of old school looks for for Daredevil in his black and yellow uh, suit. Uh, so, if you're not familiar with that, that's the original color scheme that Daredevil uh, had on when he first showed up in the comics way back when. And uh, from the the late great Tim Sale, there's a great comic called Daredevil Yellow, 
uh, that you can check out too uh, about him if you want to see that. But yeah, this trailer for She-Hulk Attorney at Law looks fantastic, and I am looking forward to season the the first season of this. Or, well, I don't know if it's the only maybe the only season. I don't know because I don't know with all these Marvel shows. I don't know if there's some are meant right. to have two seasons. Some are meant to have one. Or season. they just kind of or wait just like to see how they series. do. Yeah, yeah. But I like everything about this, and uh, I am looking forward to it. How about you? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. It's, it looks like it's gonna be a blast. Um, so. Oh, there's also a a new poster they put out that has a number that says one eight seven seven She Hulk. Uh, and if you call that, it's like this pre-recorded uh, blurb that is Mark Ruffalo and Tatiana Maslany as uh, their characters basically recording a uh, like a call in line for her attorney services. <laughs> so definitely uh, call that number to check it out. It's really funny. It's like about a minute and a half long. Oh wow! Too, so uh, well, definitely check that excellent. out. Excellent. And now we come to Stanford's recommendation. Yeah, well, you know, as as you mentioned at the top of the podcast, I finally had a ch- chance to see Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Really, the delay for me was that just there it wasn't playing in Salt Lake City. It finally yeah. opened up, and uh, I was able to see it uh, yesterday, and I just loved it. It just it's it's just so unbelievably charming and heartwarming. Uh, so creative, so well crafted. And all the good stuff you're hearing about it, I you know I would concur. I I I just enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, uh, um, yeah. Like if if anyone listened to uh, that a couple episodes ago, did the that full episode with my friend Lauren uh, about it. Uh, so everyone, if you listen to that, you know how I feel about it. It's, uh, it's definitely it's within my top five favorite movies of the year. Uh, I'd say. Like it, it's very close to um, my favorite movie of the year. Uh, right now, that's still on Barbell Weight of Massive Talent with Nicolas Cage, uh, but it, it's like right up against that. Yeah, so it's good. What were what were like some of your your favorite things that that you can recall well, about the, the movie? You know, that's such a good question, Mark. I, I number one, I was just so impressed with with the cinematography of it because it all looked so real and I'm not and I don't know enough about the production I gotta do some more now about it Uh, but I I just was so impressed with how like when they were doing a close up of Marcel or or of her grandmother or you know or something in that miniature world how uh, often the backgrounds would be a little blurry as you'd get with, yeah. you know, the zoom kind of, you know, like uh, zooming oh, yeah, in like that. Lens. And, and, uh, so just, just the, just the technical aspect of all, I was just marveling about. But then again, uh, it's so heartwarming. It's so life affirming. And yeah. just to have, I mean, the world is just so horrible, you know, uh, I mean, it's it's been bad for it seems like forever, but particularly now, there's so much crap, bad stuff going on, and to have a film like this that's so heartwarming and makes you think about just the important stuff 
in life. Uh, it's just a gift. And uh, so that's why I just, just, I was just smiling and maybe, you know, uh, tearing up here or there, you know, but just, it was just cinematic joy. I just, it just, I just, there wasn't a thing I didn't like about it, you know, so good, so good. Yeah. And as, and as Mar- Marcel would say, you know why I smile? Because it's worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. I love yeah. it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I would I would highly recommend if to anyone if it is playing in your city to Yeah, go see it. That be the the first movie on your list to go see before you go and see anything else. But yeah, uh that's going to be our first half of the show. Uh from here, we're going to segue into our main topic. So right now, you will hear the trailer audio for the Netflix film, The Sea Beast. There was a time when sea beasts would ravage our shores and no ship was safe on the sea. But those days are over. Today, valiant warriors battle the beasts far beyond the horizon. Jacob Holland, a weapon against nature's darkest design. And I'm joining your crew. Oh no, you ain't. And we're back to discuss The Sea Beast, which is a film that just came out this year. Uh, It's directed by Chris Williams, uh, who co-wrote the screenplay with Neil Benjamin and produced with Jed Schlinger. And then the film stars the voices of Carl Urban, uh, Zaris Angel Hattar, Jared Harris, and Marianne Jean-Baptiste. And it tells the story of a young girl who falls in with a group of hunters who have hunted sea monsters, including one elusive sea monster. Now, how... I just watched this today, finally. When did you get to check this out? I watched it, uh, like, a week ago. Uh, Okay. Yeah, like, six days ago, Mark. I think it was uh, on, uh, like, Monday night, last Monday night. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no, and then what did you think about the, the film? Well, so, um, I was really curious about it in that, you know, it's, this is, this is produced at Netflix. And as, as we know, as animation fans, Netflix has been really compiled, you know, bringing together an impressive group of talent, uh, with their, you know, their animation staff, even though I think there's some of them that, you know, some of the projects they've had to cut back on and it sounds like they've had some reduction in their staff sadly too um but still and then also that chris williams was directing because i've been a big fan of chris williams work at disney yeah uh for for yeah, he's a there long from time. 98 through 2018 yeah so directed bolt and uh big hero six and then co-directed moana and and uh just I think his his imprint, you know, he's I think he's got a great sense of style and of excellent storytelling. So I I, I was really excited about it. Uh, for me, the film was good, uh, not perfect, but good. And I, I have a few little quibbles here and there, but I I hope that it's one that people are really uh, going to enjoy. You know. Uh, on on Netflix and again, how can we complain about 
new animated features that aren't you know that are original stories yeah <laughs> and and uh and again just nice overall i think really nice animation i mean that that's kind of what i've been hoping for with with these you know with what netflix is i think attempting to do we'll see if, we'll see if they're able to to uh to pull it off but but uh yeah, and it looks like that that was done by uh, Sony Pictures Image Works in Vancouver did the animation services for the film. So it's good to. I I really enjoyed it as well too. Uh, like right now, it's currently got about a ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, good. Uh, and okay. then when, I, like after watching it, you know, so I watched it now here in my like like little home theater room. And I have like those uh, like interactive lights that are on the back of my TV so that like interact with whatever's on the. Oh, the TV cool! Screen. Yeah. So nice. That was especially cool with the like like underwater scenes and like fire and other stuff like that. It was cool to kind of added like a, another level of experience with watching it. Oh yeah. But then I had had kind of wished that I had been able to see it in a theater too, just because of like the the scale of some of the, the stuff that you see in the film uh, is like on the same level as like, like the pirates of the Caribbean films, like with, as far as like, like these pirate, like kind of shots and stuff like that. Like they're not, they're pirates, pirate esque, but they're not pirates. They're like, like they said in the film hunters, uh, cause they're like within the world it's set in that they go after these uh, sea monsters. And I liked like this whole like backstory. They kind of, led to it and like it's also kind of like this underlying like message like about like the like writing like the whole like history, history. yeah and like uh like revisionist history you know getting interpreted yeah yeah now like like what were some of your favorite scenes in in the the film well i think uh you know the film has really solid action scenes and so i i i thought that some of the the battles with with the sea monsters sea monsters uh were expertly done and and one thing that i really liked about it too is there was a lot of stuff going on above and below the water and and uh yeah the animation and the sound that were really impressive. As I, I kind of wish I had seen it. I wish I could have seen it in the theater, too. Uh, I think I might have played a week before in in theaters here locally. We couldn't get ourselves with yeah, you know, a lot of... but we got the, we got the CDs. I know that for sure. We got the gray. Um, what's that? Oh, yeah, the gray man. The gray man. Yeah. But um, anyway, uh, I, that's beside that's beside the point. So. I really impressed with with the action sequences because there's you know the, the monsters were impressive the, the boat was cool there was a lot you know just a lot going on I thought they I, I thought they choreographed that in a really uh, nice way yeah I really liked the the story in this too and uh, I watched the show the boys so it was kind of funny as Carl Urban does the voice of Jacob yes and He's, he's, 
it's like I know, I know that um, Carl Urban he's he's from New Zealand so like I know like he doesn't actually have like a British accent he's like his accent is actually closer to like Taika Waititi uh, in that sense uh, kind of sorta uh, but he's doing he basically sounds like the Billy Butcher character from the boys. So like <laughs> half, half the time that I was watching this, I was, and like, even because of like the, like the phrasing or wording that he uses in this as that character, his character, Jacob sounds very similar to some stuff that like, uh, Billy Butcher would say in the boys. Nice. So I kept, I kept getting like glimpses of, of like Billy Butcher just going up against like a sea beast. Um, <laughs> I don't know. So I was I just getting like these weird like visions of stuff in here, and I liked like the stuff with uh, uh, sorry with uh, what's it, what's it? with Macy, uh, the little girl in the film, uh, who's an orphan who falls in falls in with Jacob and had parents that were sea monster hunters uh, that were killed in action and I also liked the idea that they said in here I like how you can be your hero but still be uh, wrong about what like what you may have been fighting for or doing yeah so I thought that was like a like an interesting sentiment that the the film brought up as well yeah now now uh, Jared Harris was great who's kind he's kind of like a protagonist antagonist yeah, and a lot of these balls, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and then now, um, uh, oh, Dan Stevens also does a voice in here too, uh, as the admiral, uh, basically the the commander of like a rival sea beast hunting vessel. Uh, so it's like a kind of a smaller part. The so spoiler for for some stuff that happens like late in the film. Uh, but one thing that I had a question about and then was somewhat, I don't know if it was meant to be unresolved or not, but was like the, the whole thing that Captain James Crow, Jared Harris's character does is that like he goes and gets that weapon to take on the, um, red and has supposed to have like poison in it and whatnot. And he gets, and now red gets shot with that. So I was like, okay, so, like, Red's just gonna, like, die. And they were talking about, like, not moving, because then it'll take him, take him faster. And then, like, eventually, that, like, harpoon with the, the, the poison, it gets taken out, like, removed from him. But I was like, shouldn't the poison still be in him? And would, would he not still die yeah, that was confusing. From that later on? I was, yeah, that was confusing. That was the only question that I had related to that. And then they kind of set up, like, a whole thing with, um, because he did get that, uh, stuff from, like, that, I guess, that, like, witch. Yes. Uh, doctor lady. Like, they set up a thing that, like, he was gonna have to pay a price for that. But I didn't know if that was just meant to be that, like, he lost, basically... I guess his career and uh, 
uh, Jacob, who he was basically thought of as his son. Yeah. But that, those were like the only two kind of questions I had related to that. I had a couple of nitpicks, Mark, and again, this is just probably me just being a jerk, but because um, uh, there's so much to like about this film, and and I, I felt like the film was ambitious, and I mean that I don't mean that as as a as a slam, or maybe I also don't mean it as praise either, but I think they were taking on a lot of stuff within the story, and and uh, I kind of wish that they they had slimmed that down a little bit. Uh, I appreciate the fact that they were trying to address that thing about, I'm calling it revisionist history, but you know that the way that the history was, was taught in the textbooks about the relationship between the sea beasts and the humans was not accurate, right? They were trying to promote the killing of these creatures in that the creatures were hostile, right? And all this stuff. But if, again, if I'm understanding correctly, the creatures were hostile because the humans were hostile towards them, right? So, yeah. so, well, yeah, and they don't really. I think it's meant to be ambiguous too, because like you see, like this whole what kind of look like looks like, like this huge like battle area where like there's a bunch of sunken ships and a bunch of, uh, like, bones on the the sea floor. So almost like there at one point there was like a huge battle. Yeah, I think too, Mark. And this is just just me, you know. I don't necessarily love. I didn't really love how they had to bring in a little kid into the story. I mean, yes and no. I mean, yes, she's adorable and she does play a role in the story. But I thought with the dual protagonist again, it was just another kind of complication that added time to the story that I just didn't necessarily think helped it. So. Those are probably my main, again, my main gripes. So there's so much to like. I mean, it's 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 a well-made film. It's a it's a good story. I think it's got an important message. And I mean, kudos to them that they got it made. And I'm here's hoping for just continued good stuff out of Netflix. Yeah. The the one thing I I will say with with uh, the character of Maisie in there too was that I saw that almost as like a mirror for. Uh, Jacob yeah. with yeah. Uh, with Captain James and like where Jacob could have gone one way and, and basically become like another version of James because uh, he himself was like taken as like an like an orphan yeah uh, by the captain uh, basically uh, Jacob does like the same thing with uh, Maisie in, in the film but he ends up learning from he, her like yeah she she really alters his life which was good I, I, I wonder if it's almost like a, a lone wolf and cub fatigue type thing that you're handling because yeah. between between uh, Mandalorian, Obi-Wan, Kenobi I don't know if do you watch The Bad Batch? I do watch The Bad Batch, yeah Okay. Yeah. well and all three of those things are Star Wars yeah but, um, yeah. but it, it is kind of like the it's become kind of a, a used story element a lot recently with like the, um, like even the uh, Logan. Yeah. Uh, a few years back. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so it is like a, it's it's like a not a new concept. I mean, and obviously oh, that okay. comes from right, exactly. older, a Kara Kurosawa film too, uh, but I think that they used it pretty well in here and 
uh, some of the stuff that I like I didn't expect to was like how kind of like grounded and realistic they made it as well too like uh, like I said we're talking a little bit with spoilers is like there's a scene near the end of the film like where Red is going to attack like like the other like uh, ship that's made by like the the kingdom in this and Maisie's going to try to stop Red from doing that yeah. and during that gets gets like like shot through the air at one point and you see like a little bit of blood coming out of her nose and you're like oh okay so that's interesting that they're like even showing blood because like you don't usually see that right. a lot of the times specifically like in a film um, but well I mean specifically like films like this uh, but and then like Jacob puts his hand on the back of her head and, it's and like, he's oh, all bloody. bloody. Yeah, like she she was, was really like, oh, injured. Man. Yeah, I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, and like at one point, I thought like maybe she was gonna die because of that. Yeah, I wondered if she oh, was gonna they, die too. Yeah, and I was like, this is gonna get dark real quick. <laughs> and then like Red's gonna like learn this lesson from like that. Uh, I think it. Oh yeah, it was in Miss Marvel actually recently. There was a character in that that said. Uh, just because someone has has chosen to make you their enemy does not give you the right to make them yours. Uh, so that was almost the like with red and the like the humans that are going after like the sea beasts. Both of them going after each other isn't solving anything. Right. So like I think it was cool that like ultimately like the the character Maisie ends up teaching both the sea beasts and like the humans like to just like coexist with one another and that they can be happier that way so i did like that stuff and they and then even like the whole like blood transfusion stuff so i think that was cool like this movie is like super fantastical with like you know like with like the huge sea beasts and whatnot but then it's like very grounded in that aspect of like cause and effect of results. Yeah, I mean, like... Stuff that happens. These these people can... And also the deceiving. I mean, they can get hurt and they can die. And I do appreciate that yeah. rather than some kind of crazy... Like, they're superhuman, you know, can do all this stuff and nothing happens to them. I, yeah. yeah. But, and, and like, I even f found myself, like, the beginning of the movie finding myself feeling sorry for, like, that, like, that initial... Uh, sea beasts that they're even fighting like when they kill like when that gets killed oh yeah and then they cut off its horn and all that stuff i mean it's just yeah, yeah. so it's almost like poachers exactly in, in this reminded me of, of poachers too yeah so i think there's a lot of subtle uh underlying kind of like narrative and message stuff like within this movie that maybe that you'll people even notice more like on a second go for it um i know our, our buddy darren really enjoyed this too like i saw that like he, he left a review about it and congratulated chris williams on the movie um so yeah i would definitely suggest it to anybody that hasn't seen it and if you i mean if you have netflix to to check it out or if it's i don't know if it actually still is playing in theaters anymore I, still i'm not uh, sure either maybe if in it some is, markets is go see it on the big screen I think you know. Yeah, I think if it is still playing near you, I wish I as I mentioned. I wish I could have seen it on, on the yeah. big screen because I, 
I think there's so much technically that's so good about it, yeah. too. Uh, yeah, and like you had said, uh, with side note of the Gray Man, like I had gotten to see that last week in a theater, and I was glad I got to see that that way just because of stuff that is like shot. Yes. Like, in that film for a large mm-hmm. screen. So it, it, like it would still play well watching it at home, yeah. but it, it plays. It adds like another level. I always want to see stuff in the theater. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. If if you're able to, it's always at least like at least I know for us, uh, that's what we'd prefer to be able to see if given the choice. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to, to say about the the film or anything about it? Just uh, cheering, just up? cheering on the team for you know, doing something yeah. cool. Good for them, you know. Good for them help for you know more in the future and hopefully it's uh, one of the animated films that gets nominated for uh, awards come next award season two and doesn't get forgotten just because it came out like in the middle of this year yeah Uh, but yeah that's gonna that's gonna do it for this episode for us guys Uh, don't forget that you can follow us individually on twitter at our names uh I'll just put all this information in the, the show notes so you guys don't have to listen to us say it again. But yeah, uh, it's, it's our, mine's my first and last name. Ditto. I understand for his, <laughs> his first and last name. Uh, you can find the show on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Animation Fascination and Twitter by searching for Animated Podcast. And then email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com. You visit the website at animationfascination.net where all these episodes are getting posted as well. Uh, there's also links there for Animation Fascination uh, merch, so like shirts and like whatever else you want to have the Animation Fascination logo on. You can get it there. Our episodes are edited by Trent Bactrian. You can find him online just by looking up his last name. But I'm Mark Bibbert, so for myself, Stanford Clark, Uh, Thank you guys for listening, and make sure to tune in again next time.